This week's podcast brought to you by Nude Seniors. <laughs> the other day, our nine-year-old was outside on the other side of a sliding glass door, making all of these motions with her hands and, uh, and trying to communicate with us, but we couldn't hear her through the sliding glass door. And so again, making all these motions with her hands. And finally, she yelled loudly enough for us to hear. She said, I'm a mime. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, we've got a new puppy. We have a new puppy. You're not under oath here. I'm just starting a conversation. No, no, I'm saying yes, we have a new puppy. And you've been uh, staying up nights nursing the puppy to life or how does it work? I'm not the woman on the airplane nursing the cat. No, no, I don't mean that in Um, that sense. Yeah, we picked up our puppy on Thursday morning. So we have even have not had our more than, what, five days now? And... um, yeah, she's only four week, 14 weeks old, cannot... Has it only been five days? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Speaking from the man who um, is actually, you know, sleeping through the night right now. Alone. Alone, yes. Yeah, so I'm spending, I'm sleeping on the couch in the living room where her crate is so that when she wakes up and needs to go outside, the whole family doesn't wake up. So. And the first night that you did that, you woke up at 3 a.m., Right, oh, well, brought the th- dog out. This is, it was actually like right around 2.50. And um, it's kind of become her routine to, to wake up and need to go out to use, um, to use the potty, I don't know, to use the yard around 3 a.m. And I was out there with her in my pajamas, which are just like sh- sweats and a t-shirt standing outside. And uh, all of a sudden her ears perk up and our older dog also goes out every, even though our older dog has been sleeping through the night forever. She wakes up every time the puppy does and goes outside to use the um, lawn as well. And so we're out there and there's like a, a sound in the distance. And it takes me a minute to like calibrate my brain and realize it's the sprinkler system. So we're out there probably for about five or six minutes, um, which means we probably went out there at 2.55 a.m. because right at 3 a.m., is when the sprinklers come on right in front of the house, which happened to be where Puppy and I were standing at the time. <laughs> so the first morning that I was out there in the middle of the night, in the middle of the dark, help you know, out there with the dog, we both got soaked by the sprinklers. <laughs> like the fountains of Bellagio, they just... Oh, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever seen our sprinklers actually uh, work because they're set to go so early in the morning and... Um, so now I know. You must have been standing right on top of one because our water pressure is so low that the sprinklers don't. <laughs> no, it would been better if I was right on top of it. I was like right in fr- I was f- enough in front of it where it had a, a, a larger blast radius. And um, anyway, it got me nice and wet. It got the puppy wet and scared. And um, But now I know. It's like every other night if we're out there at 3 a.m. that I have to be careful the sprinklers. But 3 a.m. is her general time. The one time she has to get up in the night to uh, to go out there. It's actually, um, it's pretty p- pleasant out there at that time of night. It's because uh, it's been really hot here and it's a little bit cooler and the um, night sky. The other night it was really clear sky and the um, stars were out. It was very pretty. I mean, I would much rather have been inside sleeping. Don't get me wrong. But, um, but they were, it was pretty nights. I was just about to tell you, you don't need to thank me for that privilege that allowing you to get those 3 a.m. stargazing opportunities. I know. But I'm, I'm happy that you're happy. And the, uh, you're right. And and the, the beauty is we talked on the podcast last week how we even came to get this puppy and how my sister got um, the brother uh, from the litter. And she texted me this morning to say her, her puppy had slept through the night from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. 
I'm like, oh, great. It's probably going to be like a month from now and I'll still be texting her that, nope, 3 a.m. I'm dodging the sprinklers as uh, as I take Their puppy is, is low energy. Yes. Well, not as high energy as our puppy. That's that's for sure. And is that why she was a their puppy was a, a higher priority? <laughs> why more people wanted their puppy? Yeah. Probably. Um, but I don't know. And, I had, and also I, she changed the name. From Lobo. She did change the name from Lobo. Were you offended by that? Not offended, but I think Lobo's a great name for a dog, so I kind of wish she had kept it. Because I still, when I I talk about him, I'll I'll first say Lobo and then change to Kofi, which is um, his name. And and the other thing I do... It was was turning out to be a a decaf Kofi. (laughs) That's true. The other thing I do anytime I talk about somebody's pet, because our older dog, Jessie, is a girl, so I always refer to any pet as a she, just because ours is a she. And um, so I'm constantly asking my sister about her, you know, how's she doing when, of course, hers is a he. But um, but this is something I found interesting, and, and I did not know this. I took our, our, our dogs to the vet um, just yesterday. And I was talking to the vet about, you know, trying to figure out what our puppy is. We know the mom was a husky mix, um, but we're not quite sure about the dad. And we're talking about my sister's dog and how he looks very different from our dog. And anyway, our vet told me that puppies, even if they're from the same litter, doesn't mean that they have the same father. And I didn't realize that. I thought, you know, if a if a dog had six puppies or eight puppies that they all had the same father but that's not the case i don't know if there can be more than two um but but the vet said they can go into heat i guess multiple times or whatever even when they're pregnant and if the timing is right there can be more than one father dog so my sister's dog even we know that he also is part husky because of the mom but he could be something completely different from ours which anyway at my age that's something i didn't know did you know that no, but I think uh, if Denny were to play Papa Was a Rolling Stone here, it would be entirely appropriate. Speaking of Denny, he uh, texted me when he learned the news of our new edition and said, congrats on the new pup. I'm wondering if a dog looks different from their pictures. I'm wondering if a dog looks different from their pictures. Is it still called being catfished or is it dogfished? <laughs> Does does uh, Kasha measure up to her online her face dating profile? Her face looks the same. When we picked her up, I was shocked at how little she was because for some reason I thought in the pictures that she was going to be a bigger puppy. I was shocked, but also pleasantly um, surprised by how she's she's little and she's uh, twenty two pounds, super cute. But she does. Her face looks pretty much the same. Her body looks different from the pictures. My my sister noticed. Do you think there's um, photoshopping involved? The same thing. No, and and I don't necessarily think it's even because they were. Whenever the pictures were taken, they were younger. They just look a little bit different. But it's my first time ever getting a dog this way. Um, you know, we adopted Jesse, but it wasn't like this. So we we had to go. Um, the night before, we're supposed to pick up the puppy who's on a on a truck in a trailer from Tennessee, you call a phone number yeah, and you were laughing yeah, I would, about I would, this. It would have been better had they been on a Greyhound, <laughs> uh, not a bus. No. If Anyway. Anyway. So you call the phone number and, um, and the, the paper or the email they send you says, you know, this is, you call the number just to see if the truck is on time. We're supposed to pick up our dog at 9am at, at the second stop in the state of Connecticut. And, uh, and, the email said it could be running many hours late or many hours early, multiple hours early. And I was just thinking, wait a minute, this dog might arrive at like 6 a.m. And then, you know, I had to promise the kids that I would wake them up in time to bring them. So anyway, the truck ended up being an hour later than the originally scheduled time. So we go there. There's probably six or eight other um, cars with people waiting for their puppies. And, you know, next thing you know, the thing pulls in and you get your puppy and um and anyway it was um it was a a bit of a different experience you did not come with us and our oldest daughter did not come but but the uh, you did send me a text just prior to the appointed hour and said we're waiting for the dogs to deplane (laughs) that's pretty much what it felt like you know, I've talked about how she, you know, 3 a.m. is her regular middle of the night wake up. But then after that, she has woken up at like 545 and been up for the, 
you know, the duration. She's woken up a little bit later than that. But the good thing is, like, for me, much like the pretty stars in the sky, I didn't know how many people walk up and down our street um, between like six. No, between like 6 a.m. and 730 or whatever the times might be that I take her out. There's constantly foot track traffic and our, and our street's not busy we're on a cul-de-sac but it is a really good street to walk on for that reason there's not a lot of traffic but there's a lot of people going up and down the street and including with animals and almost all of them know our older dog's name and stop and talk to her if she's out there trotting around um but it is a, a, in the middle of the night early in the morning i'm i'm just by being on our front steps being exposed to a whole world that i wasn't uh really aware of. I think the people walking on the street at 3 a.m. may be literally exposing you to a whole <laughs> world you weren't aware of. You actually posted something this morning about um, the nudist colony on Cape Cod. First of all, I didn't know there, did you know there was a nudist colony on Cape Cod? Because I didn't know until I saw the article this morning. No, of course not. I, I think it's a, it's a, a nudist, nudist campground. Camp yeah, I, I don't, um, but, uh, but I, I did read the story that you posted and, and it had the obligatory reference to volleyball. It's, it seems to be oh. the staple of, of nudism is playing volleyball. I have it. I, it's funny that you say that. I screenshotted that paragraph. Although typically several activities are offered, from potluck dinners to volleyball games, concerns tied to the spread of COVID-19 um, have limited those so far to a single cornhole tournament. <laughs> yes, I think. I think <laughs> okay. that was, I think that was uh, a rather dry reference <laughs> by mean, the writer there's certain there was also there was that... also because th- this campground is some kind of a co-op where where they take membership there were several references to the members at the nudist colony which i also thought was intentional yeah i i would i would hope so um it has 62 members quite a few seniors it has 62 members and and also quite a few women <laughs> Your face lit up with that one. Um, anyway, and the, it was accompanied by a picture, a photo of a of an, a senior gentleman, a photo, a photo of a gentleman sitting on like a golf cart and wearing a mask and but, Timberlands. <laughs> was he wearing Timberlands? In work boots. He was wearing a mask and work boots and had like a potted. There was a potted plant. No, it wasn't a potted plant. Something. No, it was just the the, the photo no, was angry. he was in a golf cart. No, but it, there was a potted plant like on the front of the golf cart or something. No, there, there was no, there was no, no fig leaf. It was, it was. Um, no, it I, was, believe me, I was wishing. I think they. It was the not same. a figment of my imagination. It was a fig leaf of my imagination. I was dressing him with my eyes. I think it was the same. They must use the same photographers that ESPN the body issue uses because they didn't need to use a fig leaf. They just had him angled in such in the a way cart, in the golf cart. <laughs> Anyway, I um I will retweet that on our our Twitter handle for the podcast, which is at Ball and Chain Pod. But um yeah, the, one of the things now that I'm doing at five forty five in the morning as I'm sitting on the front steps, keeping one eye on the dog, is being exposed um, to new people. <laughs> is being being exposed to new people and reading up on some um a variety of newspapers. One of the ones that I follow is the Cape Cod Times, and they had this article. This this is going to have to be their most like viewed viewed (laughs) viewed column or possibly Um, their least viewed yeah could be i don't know but um yeah (laughs) i'm learning a lot in the five days since we got our beautiful new pop what do you think it's like for the guy who drives makes that run from tennessee to connecticut with a truck full of dogs over what must be at least a couple of days he has to stop overnight somewhere It, it reminds me of a canine version of Smokey and the Bandit, where they're they're taking coors from Texarkana to to Atlanta, but this is taking dogs from Tennessee to to Hartford. Yeah, it can't be. I mean, it's a run that they make every week. I don't know how many different drivers they use, but the, every week they make this run. If it's the same and, guy, then there needs to be a movie about this yes, guy. Yes, without question. And and so the the dogs get picked up at three a.m. in West Tennessee. And then drive through the night, and um, uh, they they're, they're waiting on, there with her little three a.m. on a Wednesday. Yeah. So three a.m. on a Wednesday, they get picked up, and then they're driving through. I think the first stop was Maryland, and then the second stop in Pennsylvania. In those two places, their scheduled pickup times were like nine p.m. and eleven p.m. So some people's scheduled pickup times is eleven, and if this guy catches, you know, hits traffic there, instead picking up at midnight or one in the morning. I'm just picturing a, like a hopper painting at. Three o'clock in the morning of them all seated in a in a <laughs> waffle house. Right. 
on I ninety five. Yeah, and um, and then they then they get to Connecticut and they have multiple stops in Connecticut and then they finish in um, New York State. But it, and so this guy is in like a truck, a pickup truck, and then he's pulling this trailer that is, you know, they say is, you know, heated in the winter and cooled in the summer. And when you step up, when it's your turn to just tell him the name, we didn't have to show ID or anything, just tell the name of, of the dog and he, he would give us the paperwork. And of course the... Were you holding a, a, a sheet of paper, wearing a little chauffeur's cap and a sheet of paper that said Kasha on it? <laughs> it should have she been. ran right over to you? Well, the, the person in, who got their dog in front of us, they also got a puppy and he handed the puppy to her. And as the woman's holding the puppy, the puppy just starts peeing all over, including on the woman. And, you know, everybody's kind of around was laughing, including the woman. So you get up and to the, the entrance of the truck and um, there's a number of crates inside that have the puppies in it. And, you know, of course, it does not smell good. But uh, so you're just waiting. And all of a sudden, my sister, she was with me and she like hits me on the shoulder and points. And I see Kasha's little beautiful husky face with one brown eye, one blue eye. Um, peering out and then I see how small she is and she's just, just this tiny little puppy um, and so he gives her to me and then he gives my sister um, her dog so was yeah it, I, it was it sounds like the closing credits of love actually at Heathrow when everybody's reuniting at baggage claim right right it was it was anyway oh so back to so the guy who's handing us um, the dogs like was super super pleasant and I suppose he only has to be pleasant like for 15 minutes <laughs> They probably have a guy drive from. They probably have a guy drive from Tennessee to a point one block away from the drop-off area. Then they have a new guy come in to drive at that last block and then be fresh, happy. Right. While the other guy grabs a beer. The other guy down grabs the a carton of cigarettes and right. yeah, goes to sleep for three days. Well, um, anyway, she's been a delight. She has a great disposition. She's getting along well with our older dog. When I took her to the vet yesterday. She did well, but she should have been having more food. And anyway, one of the things our vet said to me that just made my heart feel good was she said, she said, you saved her life by adopting her. Because had you not adopted her, she would have gone to one of the other 99 applicants. That's what our, that's what our son said. I told the story and I was getting choked up because there's a few things that need to be fixed about her, but, um, health wise, but, uh. Uh, that's what I said I was like oh the vet said you know our our, our friend Andrea who's the vet um, said you know you saved your life and our son said because if you hadn't then one of the other hundred people who applied would have so that uh, killed my buzz for a second but still so now I'm living my life as a Mississippi River lock keeper we have pet gates everywhere I bought a bunch at Target yesterday and the uh, bigger dog is allowed access to this part of the house, but the smaller dog isn't. So I, I find myself opening gates and closing them as a as a as a dog bouncer, and letting this person in, letting this dog in, but not letting that dog out, and letting this dog back in. While it's 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 confusing and time consuming. Really, you find it confusing and time consuming. Yes, this is going to be one of those instances, and I've it's, told this story before on the podcast when um. When our oldest was born and was a few weeks old and and I was um, getting up with her always in the night because I was nursing and it just simply didn't make sense to have us both exhausted. So you, you were sleeping and and um, I was getting up with her and your dad called and, and asked how things were going and you said... Uh, well, we're tired. And I remember thinking from the other room how I just want to take a fry pan and smack you in the head because, oh, we're tired. You're sleeping through the night and I'm getting up, and but we're tired. So right now you're going to complain about being the gatekeeper. <laughs> I'm sleeping on the couch, letting the dog out, getting sprayed by sprinklers. And you're saying it's time consuming. We got the gates last night. You've been a gatekeeper for <laughs> less than 24 hours. Well... I'm tired, man. This was By oh, way, this was the other thing that happened last night. Speaking of hitting over your you over the head with a fry pan. Do you fantasize about that frequently? I have actually, but I sometimes know, it's I a know we have a cast iron skillet. Objects. We do have a cast iron yeah. skillet and a ro- and a rolling pin. I think all do, do wives people, do have wives still hit, hit their husbands over the head with a rolling pin like they did in every Tom and Jerry I cartoon? Know. But I would bet you every wife has fantasized at some point about hitting their husband over the head with a blunt object. Um, anyway, that reminds me of last night at dinner, <laughs> and yeah, like you're enjoying this way the, too much. Yeah, well, the, I think everyone else is going to as well. Is your blunt object of choice so, a frying pan? 
So the kids were swimming, like um, they had a, our youngest daughter had a friend over swimming. Anyway, things got wrapped up and, and gosh, it, it was already, you know, 5.30 p.m. I came in the house and realized the things I had gotten at the grocery for dinner, I was they weren't going to be able to be made quickly enough for us to eat. I had to make something quickly. So I said to the kids, do you guys want pancakes for dinner? And they were all thrilled about that idea. So we made the pancakes. They're they're nice fluffy perfectly made pancakes i put them all our kids are seated around the table we sit down to eat it was 91 degrees yesterday not in our house our house is air conditioned so i so as we sit down to eat and the kids are eager to you know pour the syrup and have their pancakes for dinner what did you say (laughs) well first i said because the the (laughs) brand of syrup we're using has been discontinued oh right i thought it was insensitive that's not what you said. Oh, what did I say? What did you say when I put, when we sat down for oh, dinner? I said, after I said, I'd made the dinner, I what said, did you say? When I was running yesterday afternoon in the intense tropical heat, I was fantasizing about having pancakes for dinner. So I put the food down in front of the kids, and they hear their father say, the only thing he says about the meal being placed in front of him is, ooh, good, when I was running in 90-degree heat, all I could think about was... Eating pancakes for dinner, but you know, you know, I was joshing. Well, I to, just to make our, sure our kids knew that, I said to them, "Just I said to our son, if your wife, when you're married, if if your spouse puts down whatever food they put down, that's not what you say." And I said, and I said to our daughters, and if your husband says something like that, you're allowed to pick up the spatula and smack him over the head. Which I didn't do. Point point taken. Having said that, the four previous nights I had ordered and picked up and came home with food for with dinner for the family. And did I get did I get did effusive I, did I get effusive thanks for that? No. Do I expect effusive thanks for that? Not not none whatsoever. Do I even care that there's no table set, there's no there's no apparent knowledge that I was coming home with dinner? When I arrive home, I have to gather everybody, have to set the table, and then dole out the food. Oh, and, and do I expect credit for that? No. Am I being passive or aggressive about it? Not at all. Um, See, so, but there's so, a difference. There's a difference between m- maybe not getting um, appreciation for going out and picking up food. There's a difference between that and criticizing <laughs> the d- food that was made and was, put in it, front of you. It, it was meant... And obviously not taken as a joke. Oh no, I I laughed about it at the time. Who doesn't like pancakes? I, did, I love pancakes. I did for think dinner. it was a little obnoxious. Well, I'm I'm a little obnoxious. You, that's true. A little obnoxious is actually a good setting for you. <laughs> um, apropos of nothing, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of being in of taking a family trip to Southern California, and the first night we were there, just about a year ago this week. It was a year ago this week. We were at Dodger Stadium for to see Paul McCartney. And in his encore, I'm sure I mentioned this last summer, he brought out Ringo Starr. So the two surviving members of the Beatles playing at Dodger Stadium, their second to last place that they played live uh, as Beatles. And yet my, my love for my love for those guys is exceeded only by my love for beating the traffic, as you know. Mm, and as a yeah. storied tradition in at Dodger Stadium of beating the traffic. And so as as uh, Paul and Ringo finished their uh, their two songs set in the encore, we went booking for the exit while while How did our so you went with our oldest two daughters. How did they daughters. feel about it when you said it was time to go? Because they both love the Beatles. They yeah, yeah. They, 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 they wanted to say I, I assured them we were saving ourselves an hour. By by and we sprinted. We could still hear the music, but but as we were sprinting, and this is a great memory that I have. As we were sprinting out of Dodger Stadium, uh, we could hear um, we could hear them playing the end. And Joe Walsh of the Eagles, Joe Walsh of Joe Walsh, came out, and and Ringo, who was Ringo Starr's brother-in-law, came out and was shredding on guitar. You we didn't, didn't see we him physically. But you see heard him. him or even know that it was him at the time. But as fireworks were exploding over Dodger Stadium, we were sprinting for the car and left. And the reason I bring it up now is not because of the one-year anniversary of that well, great I mean, moment, 
but go ahead. I would say, did any part of you after the fact, when you learned that it was Joe Walsh, None. wish you had stayed? No, no. Because Zero it's, regrets. It's a great memory. Uh, rather, than, rather than sitting or standing in a little seat in the third deck of Dodger Stadium next to a, a weirdo and, uh, uh, who was one of our seatmates, I had the exhilaration of, of sprinting while listening to this music it was it was cool okay but i only bring it up because my mania for beating the traffic extended last week to you and the kids and i wanted to go see the sunset now not the kids our only our oldest daughter you and i and our oldest daughter wanted to go see a the sunset sunset on a beach on a beach yeah absolutely a beautiful spectacular and, and, sunset and we did that beach. And, and, and the tide was out. Tide was out. You, you could, could walk, walk a mile out, out to forever. It was spectacular. But as the sun was sinking, and, and, and let's be honest, the sun sets every single night. As it was sinking, I suggested we go to beat the traffic. And you guys were not down with this. And so we sat in traffic. You're so absurd. We took it for the ridiculous suggestion that it was because the parking lot this beach is huge and the parking lot there but wait, how, how many cars would you say can fit in the parking lot 40 40 okay and it wasn't full so say there's but there's 30. only one way out and 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 what I, what I what i what i but my point is not even this my point is the actual sunset is the disappearance of the sun when 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 it when it hasn't yet quite set, that's what you're looking at. That's what you're seeing. There, the, was, the the sunset itself is the absence of the sun. It's 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 ridiculous to compare this to leaving Dodger Stadium because it was a parking lot with thirty cars that emptied out, yes, onto a street. So so we stayed for the completion of the sun setting and we sat in traffic for exactly six seconds getting out of our parking spot. Well, Six seconds. You were trying to beat six seconds of traffic I'm, I'm to raising, miss the sun. I'm raising a larger issue of of one is it appropriate and less appropriate to beat the traffic. And I, and I I would say, if 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 I have no regrets leaving McCartney's encore and no regrets leaving a sunset before the sun has set, then I would say in almost every circumstance leaving to beat the traffic is appropriate. See, I don't know that I'd want to be the person who lives their life that way. Like, I, I maybe to beat the, the traffic at the McCartney concert, because it was the day that we flew there. It was, the kids were exhausted. It was late. You had real traffic to think about there. As the person on who, the would, who beach, as the person yourself, who has, who has asserted probably on this podcast that you would excuse yourself at 9 p.m. to go to bed if Bruce Springsteen your beloved Bruce Springsteen were playing that a concert was one in your own night family when room. I was exhausted, yes. Then, then I can't imagine any circumstance in which you wouldn't want to be at the traffic, especially then, if that event were at, at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts, where it takes two hours we to get out of the parking lot. We were watching a sunset at 8 p.m. I don't think any of us were exhausted. It's 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 a different conversation. It's uh, it kind of goes into your your psyche. You you have no problem leaving. You're more worried about the traffic. You're so worried about the traffic that that is more Not prevalent worried, in your brain than the, ex- the incredible experience you're having at the moment. You're, you're absolutely right about that. And, um, and and I was also a little irritated because I was really enjoying a book. It's called The Good Son by Paul McVeigh. A friend of mine sent it to me and I, I was loving it. Now they brought it to the beach with me for the sunset. And we set up a couple of beach chairs on the beach before we walked out into the low tide but I didn't want to leave I didn't care if the chairs got stolen but I didn't want the book to get this little paperback book to get stolen so I brought it with me out half a mile out into the while we were walking out on the sand I was wondering why is he carrying his book because he's going to stop I would have been, stand I would have here been, and read his book I, no I would have been depressed had that book been stolen Blown away, whatever. So I brought it with me, and as I and as we were standing out, By marveling, way, you probably, marveling at this, you're probably the only one who sees the book as a commodity to steal. Well, it it, it was a book that was published in the UK, and I wouldn't have had an easy time finding it over here. Okay. So, so anyway, I um, as we were gazing at the uh, at the setting sun, 
and and worrying about traffic. And, and and as far as I was concerned, we were catching our fill of the setting sun, and so we could then move along. Uh, I dropped the book, you know, sort of a-framed into the into the muddy water. You know, I was ankle deep, and it was a huge bummer. And that maybe that contributed to my wanting to to leave. So just to summarize, you're the guy who carries his book out a half a mile from the edge of the beach in ankle-length water while the sun ankle is setting. Ankle-length water? Ankle-height water. It was ankle-deep. If it had been ankle-length, ankle that would ankle have been amazing. He carries his book out there so it won't get stolen and then wants to leave the sunset early so he doesn't hit traffic. Well, I, 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 that, that, I am that guy. You are that guy. And I am married to that guy. When, in the rare moments when I'm not a Mississippi lock keeper, and I don't even think that's the right term, when I'm not opening and closing gates, when I'm not a canine bouncer, I enjoy uh, leaving early and uh, reading dry books. Did you finish the book, right? I did. Um, and was it less pleasant there, 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 to read there, there, there when it was pl- There were plenty of books that I would have enjoyed throwing in the ocean, but that wasn't one of them. I, I enjoyed Could, the book. Because I like the feel of certain books. Yeah, you were do. you still able to enjoy the, the tactile, tactile part I, of reading? I, I, I'm, much, uh, I'm much less concerned with the tactile. The, I, I love reading physical books and right. newspapers and magazines. Um, but you have a little weird thing about the, the sort of uh, – Grainy surface of the of cover books yeah. that I really like the yeah. way they feel. I, I get it too. I, I prefer those to the slick cover, but um, this is totally changing the topic. But Please. Uh, <laughs> the other day, our, uh, one of my friends came by, the one whose daughter was was swimming in our pool, and um, and they recently got a new Jeep Wrangler, and she had the Jeep, and it did not have the roof on. It was a nice day, and um, she asked me and our two of our daughters, "Do you want to?" go for a quick ride and especially in the circumstances now with covid like you feel outdoors all right this is a safe place to act to be in a car with somebody so we went for just a short spin but while we were going for the drive we passed another jeep and my friend said as we were approaching that jeep she said there's a jeep wave and the guy like in the other jeep waved at her and so she had to wave back the jeep wave and i was just thinking why isn't there a minivan wave? And if there was a minivan wave, what would it be? Like, what's wrong? Like, can it only be the cool cars that have that have waves? So, so jeeps, I guess, have. There's a jeep wave. There's also a. Um, there's a motorcycles like a, do that little hand gesture as they go by each other. I'm sure there are. It's VW. like um, the Volkswagen Bugs, right? Do yeah. the, those drivers have some sort of a? Wave? I used to drive a mini, and people would sometimes kind of give you a, like a what's up nod. The well, people, I mean, they were all either uh, 60-year-old women or, or uh, 19-year-old girls. girls yeah. Well, I want to uh, start something. I want to start the minivan wave. And, um, again, that could just be like a really angry mom face, <laughs> somebody who's yelling at kids in the back seat, um, or, you know, something along those lines. But I think, uh, I think it's, it's about time that minivan drivers got something going here. Are you guys serious about this stuff? As a Rebecca Lobo set shot. Glass! I'm going to do a quick WNBA update. Exciting news yesterday as we record this. Uh, The WNBA schedule was was released, including the ESPN-ABC schedule, which is 24 games. Um, Before COVID changed the entire season, ESPN was going to cover 16 regular season games. Well, now we're covering 24 games, not just 24 games, but 24 games in the first three weeks of the schedule. And then um, the expectation is that more games will be added after that, after, you know, everybody figures out what college football is going to look like and how many TV windows are available and all this other kind of TV speak. But I'm excited. 24 games in the first three weeks of the season is a ton. Um, Every day that we broadcast the game, we have double headers. Sometimes it means one's on ABC and the other's on ESPN, but we're covering two games a day. And uh, they made the decision finally that we will be calling the games from Bristol, which I'm thrilled and relieved about because the idea of going back and forth to Florida right now when it's an absolute train wreck uh, when it comes to health and safety, um, I'm, I'm happy that I'll just be driving to studio. So super exciting news there for the WNBA. 
And the second thing is a huge congratulations. Carol Lawson, my former uh, colleague at ESPN, who I used to call women's, um, the women's tournament with. We were in studio together for years, and then we called the Final Four together until she took the job this past season with as an assistant with the Celtics, was just named the head coach for Duke women's basketball. And, uh, and I think it's it's not going to be very long before um, she turns that program around. She she's a great basketball mind. I'm sure she'll, you know, hire the the right people around her. Um, and in terms of recruiting and all of that, it's not going to be long before Duke is going to be really really good again. But um, I was excited excited to to see that news. And um, so interesting and exciting things happening happening in women's basketball right now, even though games are not yet being played. Yeah, that's great uh, for news for uh, Duke as well as for Kara. Uh, speaking of the WNBA, that's our first viewer mail in chronological order as I take them here is about the WNBA. So let's just jump into viewer mail, yes, shall please. we? Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Rebecca, when commenting on fan support at different WNBA locations, last week we had an email from the UK about WNBA fan support. Yep. Um, when commenting on fan support at different WNBA locations, I've always wondered what happened to Houston, the home of the Comets. Why did they lose their franchise? You, of course, played for the Comets one season. Um, the season first, well, no, I guess the second full season that, that I knew you. And we spent a summer... 2002 was the summer yeah. that I, I played for the Houston Comets. An incredible fan base. We played in the Compact Center at yeah. the time. We got a the ton former of, Houston Summit where the Rockets had played. A ton of fan support. Now a now a mega church, I believe. Now it is a mega. It's Joel Olstein's mega church, mm. I think. Anyway, they sold their franchise. The, the the owner of the Houston Comets back when I played there, back when they were winning championships, was also the owner of the Houston Rockets. And I don't know if the Rockets also sold their franchise, but the owner. Um, the Comets were put up for sale and someone bought them and he did not necessarily have the capital to, um, to sustain the franchise. They moved out of the compact center. They were playing, I don't even remember where, and then they, they went back to the Toyota center, which was where the Rockets played. And, um, and they just, I don't know if the, the owner went bankrupt, but, um, he just didn't have the resources to support the team. But and the first WNBA dynasty, and they had yeah, they would pack that place. And in 2002, great when you were fans. playing there, yeah, uh, great crowds, exciting atmosphere, great I, players. I don't know, um, yeah, I don't know how it all fell apart, but it did, and it's a shame because it was a tremendous fan base, and uh, and it's too bad that they have not been able to bring a franchise back there. You know, we now have a, a franchise in Dallas um, that didn't exist when the Comets were around. But, uh, but yeah, it, it was because of a change in ownership. And that, that uh, viewer mail came from Tough Schist, I should add, Tough Schist in Indiana. Hi, Tough Schist. And her husband is? Stone Curtis. Yes. I don't even, what's his real name? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I just know that she is Tough Schist Curtis. In her email signature. Dear Rebecca and Steve, I hope this note finds you well. I was very happy to learn of the new addition to your family. I'd like to remind Rebecca that beside being your resident pooper scooper, my wife and I have 26 plus years in the pet care service industry. My wife is a certified dog trainer and we have had experience with all types of dogs. For those introducing a new puppy into their household, we highly rec recommend Dr. Kenneth Martin's excellent book, Puppy Start Right. This is an easy read for your entire family, especially Steve. I like that. I require puppy easy reading. Puppy Start Right. All puppy right. Start Right. Thank you. That comes from Michael in New Jersey, our resident uh, pooper scooper and and uh, uh, distanced dog trainer. Okay, from our resident pooper scooper to our resident critter sitter. This is from TR, the critter sitter. Congratulations on your new puppy. As your resident pet sitter dog walker, I do have tips. I have to tell you, when you first started talking about the new puppy, I shook my head. Well, I did too, TR. Believe me. Nodded or shook? Shook. Shook. <laughs> but I also know this adventure is going to be great fodder for the podcast. Puppies can be very... High maintenance, but since you've already had four children, you're already prepared. Getting a new puppy is very rewarding, but challenging. The best advice I can give is research the breed. Have you done that, Rebecca? Well, we've researched 
the husky part, we've researched in case she's shepherd, we've researched whatever we, she could be. <laughs> Your new tried. puppy will whine and whine and whine when she gets put in a crate at first. That doesn't mean she dislikes the crate. It just means that she doesn't want to be away from you. Let her whine it out. Let her whine it out. That's a, that's a motto to live by. Uh, the crate will become her safe haven. And remember, it, ta- it may take Jessie a while to get used to her new companion. It's actually, we've been really fortunate in that she does not mind going in the crate. We watched some videos, training videos on how to make it a more pleasant place for her and, you know, feed her in there and put her, put some treats in there. But she, um, she's really good about, about going in the crate. Uh, Pat Eaton Rob writes, hi, Rebecca and Steve, congrats on the Tennessee pandemic puppy. Our Beagle Bassett, our Beagle hyphen Bassett, our Beagle Bassett Fenway died in October at the age of 15. And we had no intention of getting another dog until the pandemic hit. With both my wife and I working from home, we took the plunge in March and got another rescue from a kill shelter in Tennessee. A kill shelter? Is that what it's called? Yeah. It's heartbreaking. He's also a Beagle Bassett mix. Sticking with the New England Stadium theme, we named him Duncan after the park in Hartford. Duncan Donuts Park, home of the Hartford Yard Goats. Duncan's a great dog name. It is a great dog name. I have one suggestion for you. In addition to getting the reward treat pouch. We we already have the reward treat pouch. The The bait bait pouch. pouch. Yes. Uh, I'd suggest getting a water spray bottle. A little squirt serves as a gentle reminder to get off the couch or put down that chicken you grabbed from the counter. Duncan is a thief. We wake every morning to discover new treasures in his doggy bed, ranging from pieces of our clothing to old stuffed animals that once belonged to our now-grown children and restored somewhere in the basement to a colander from the kitchen. But how can you not love this face? And indeed, there is a a photograph of a classic kind of cartoon uh Bassett slash Beagle. Well, I, I think how. I'm going to have to. I have have not posted any pictures yet of Kasha. I think I'm going to have to on our Instagram account, which is at Ball and Chain Podcast. Uh, post not only pictures of Kasha, but we will post pictures of Pat's puppy as well. This is comes from uh, Rhonda. She writes, Rebecca, I was looking at the Sellet Vernon, Connecticut Facebook page, and this unopened can with your playing card is on it. Ooh. And this is a, a like almost like a soup can, but the outs. Back in the you day, that's how you would, when yes. you would purchase, I think, I don't know if they were tops or pinnacle or what they were. Pinnacle. But, um, yeah, there were cards inside. You didn't know what card was inside, but there was one of the players' faces and cards was. Um, on the outside of this can. So Rhonda writes, this is a question from Rhonda's Curiosity Shop. I was wondering, Rebecca, if you're aware of all the memorabilia that was produced of you. If not, how often do you run across memorabilia? That's a total surprise. Now, you get a lot of mail, um, playing card, trading cards yeah. to sign. Sometimes the, a trading card will come in and, oh, this is a little bit different. I've not quite seen this one before. Um, I think I'm aware of most of the stuff, but... Um, Sometimes people will send me a picture of something that I remember existed, but it was so long ago and there were so few of them that it um, it definitely stirs a memory. But uh, but yeah, I still will now. Somebody, people will send a, a card that I haven't sent, seen before. Chris in Cheshire writes, Dear Stephen Rebecca, for my wife's 40th birthday, we went to my in-laws for our first venture out after doctor's permission and amidst rainstorms into someone else's home during COVID and week 72 of quarantine. When we arrived, we discovered my mother-in-law and listener, Barb, has acquired, and here's a photograph of it, it's spectacular, a puzzle table, complete with drawers to store different pieces. It was quite an upgrade. It was really something, and we had a good laugh when I told the kids to be careful as the puzzle organizer had organized the pieces into separate drawers. Ball and chain listeners have inside jokes. But Barb has been a serious puzzler during quarantine, as she told you in a previous email, perhaps as serious as a Rebecca Lobo set shot. (laughs) <laughs> which I think is becoming a bit of a catchphrase. I think it is. We will, that, you'll have to uh, send that one to me too so I can post that one as well. That, that reminds me, b- because of the new edition of The Puppy, we've rolled up every carpet in the downstairs where she's allowed to, to be. And my, our son was showing me this morning a piece of a puzzle um, that he found when we rolled up the carpet in the dining room. So I said, now his job is to find out which puzzle it goes uh, to. I can figure that one out. And, and, and what pictured here on the puzzle table is a white mountain puzzle. I'm not sure which one. That being said, uh, writes Chris, we hope you're well and we're wondering if the WNBA season will affect any travels to Cape Cod this summer. We are getting to and from Cape Cod, though you will be tethered to uh, the Bristol studios during the Starting WNBA games. Yes. I think I only have the pint man left to read on the Atlantic shores before I have to start the complete works of Steve Russian all over again. Well, what a what a what a treat for a quarantine to start the collected works of Steve Russian all over Steve again. Steve will uh, will get to writing so uh, that there yes, are more works yes. in the collection. I was going to say, better you than me to have to start the collected works of Steve Russian all over again. Um, 
Dr. Gary Siegel writes, um, Last week, Rebecca, you wondered why the Atlanta Dream had not been more popular in Atlanta, a.k.a. Loserville, in the sports vernacular. Even before the Falcons' epic loss in the Super Bowl, in which they had led the Patriots 28-3 to before losing, I think people around here remember that, Atlanta's fans have been fickle. Until recently, all of the stadia have been downtown, but just a bit away from the beaten path, and the public transportation access has never been great. Uh, Atlanta geographically is very spread out, so getting to events, especially during the weekdays, has never been easy. The Braves have moved to the Burbs, and, well, it's a traffic and parking nightmare to get to a game. So for a variety of reasons, we sometimes don't sell out playoff games, etc. The new and pleasant exception has been the Atlantic has been Atlanta United, our soccer team, which has attracted full houses likely due to the more diverse and younger fans who live in town and have easy access to the stadium. Uh, Dr. Siegel adds that, uh, apropos, not uh, in a non sequitur, wives absolutely do put kitchen utensils in certain drawers and they share a secret code as to how they do so in order to confuse the easily confused husbands. Just today, as I was trying to put away the massive kitchen hammer that flattens boneless chicken breasts, I had no idea which of the two drawers was its home. Oh, well. I think what, what he refers to as a chicken hammer, I call a meat mallet. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but I, I think I like chicken hammer better than meat mallet. You do like it better than meat mallet? There's two two things I want to address in, in Dr. Siegel's email. One is that the Atlanta Dream are going to be uh, moving into a new home once games are played in cities again. Hopefully that will be in the 2021 WNBA season, uh, a brand new arena, but I'm not sure exactly where in the Atlanta area it is located. And secondly, in terms of um, women or wives and putting things in drawers, if I asked you to go you know, get me something out of our kitchen, you might find it on the third try. But if I had a friend of mine come in who's never gotten anything from the kitchen and said, uh, where do you think the glasses would be? Or where do you think the, you know, a fork would be? Would probably find it sooner than you do just because the brain would be like, oh, it makes sense. Of course the glasses are here. Of course the utensils are here. There is little rhyme or reason to the way you put many of the things in the drawers and in the cupboards. In fact, we have a, an entire cupboard devoted to plastic cups and plates and things that the kids haven't needed since uh, in the last five years easily. But we still use them because it's You just it's can't all, part with them because of, uh, no, because of the, the attachment of to their, their the bigger, toddlerhood. The bigger plates and stuff, they're a little bit thicker, and so you can't fit as many in the dishwasher. And so this all plays into when I use the, the kids' plates still for them at lunch or something, it's because... The, they'll fit in the dishwasher. It, there's an explanation, but we don't need to go into it. Uh, here's a viewer mail. These, by the way, are sent to ballandchainpot at gmail.com. Uh, headline, Space Eater checking in. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Mark, just wanted to check in since we've not been able to see Rebecca in Dallas doing Wings games the past couple of years. And of course, with the WNBA season being played in Florida this year, that won't work either. And I think you know who I'm talking about. You yes. may remember taking this picture with my daughter, then 13 years old. Yes. Is she 15 now? She's 16 now. I wrote to you for help finding shoes to fit her size 16 men's foot. Uh, yeah, no, exactly what we're talking about. Fast forward to today. She will be 16 years old in September. So she is 15. You're right. And now stands at a true space eating 6'8 with 7 foot wingspan. Wow. And the feet just keep growing. Now a seven size 17 men's. She now wears basketball shoes, Crocs, and Birkenstocks. She really enjoys coming down and speaking with you after games. Hopefully she can do that again sometime when all the COVID mess is over and things get back to normal. Here are a couple of pictures of her doing her space eater thing. As you can tell, even the refs love them, some space eaters. I enjoy each and every podcast. Stay safe during the craziness. Thank you, Mark. Same to you and to your your daughter. I look and, forward uh, to seeing these pictures because I, I haven't seen them in a couple of years. Well, and one uh, of them, she's uh, clearly at a break in the action standing next to a, a ref who comes up to her shoulders and um, and I look forward to uh, well I'll pass these along to you yeah, and please I'm sure do. And, and when when I'm in Dallas again hopefully again next season I'll be able to say hello to her we in person. all look but, forward uh, yes to uh, hopefully she is enjoying the her her stature she's wearing 52 though not 50 so that's Kara Walters, Kara Walters right? number yes. good number finally Karen and she's she writes a real Karen uh, how about that's Karen an becoming a name to have nowadays so many it? Well, I mean, like, we know plenty of Karen. Where did that even come from? Why, why Karen? I don't why, know, why was that name chosen anyway? The, uh, the, the youths on the uh, interwebs. But uh, Dear Receiver writes, uh, Karen, 
Karen, a real Karen, not Karen in quotation marks. Um, I saw this car pull into a local supermarket lot here in Connecticut. The occupants made sure to properly mask up before leaving the car. I went for a closer look at this 1928 beauty with Missouri plates when I noticed the masks positioned on the headlamps. Just another public ser- service announcement, I guess. Now, picture a 1920. I wish I knew my, my jazz age cars better, but this is, you know, a 1928 Great Gatsby looking car with those those headlamps that, you know, just the, the you know, not, not recessed into the car, but kind of like front, the frog like eye. Yeah, yes, exactly. And there are two um, uh, medical blue Wouldn't those masks. blow off in the wind? No, they're, at, they, they, they're attached. I'll show you the picture. You can okay. post them. And... Um, and yeah, so I think that's uh, that's they're not dangling from the rearview mirror. They're not. I, I'm just. I'm just. Dice. I'm. I'm angling. Dangling masks. I'm angling for a way. I'm angling, angling for, for a dangling. dangling. I'm ang- I'm angling for a way. <laughs> no, I'm angling for a way to get your your father's dangling dice back into uh, this this podcast for I think the third week in a row. So, well, we but just, no, I wasn't. We I was, don't want to separate them and have one dice so, dangling on one sorry. side and one on the other. I'm sorry, I used angling in such close proximity to dangling. Um, Bojang. <laughs> right. Thank you for your entertaining banter each week, as I've only met. As I have only my husband and grown son for conversation these days, your podcast bring back memories of our three young children. Stay well, Karen, a real Karen. Karen, thank you. Uh, Rebecca, if she's doing her thing, we'll post that picture. And um, and and anybody who has asked for swag in the, in the last few weeks, I will send that out this week. And I know somebody, I screwed up somebody's request for a signed book. I think I sent them a second signed book. And um, in, instead of sending it to somebody else that I should have. So... Uh, I'll get all that straightened out uh, via email. Anyway, that's all I've got. All right. For all of you who are listening to this podcast over dinner, it's exactly what he was thinking about when he was running in the 90-degree heat. Tom Dick Hari. I've got some uh, gates to open and close. Please. Play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and ambiguous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.